Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. Gospel of Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14 in the New International Version. In this passage that I have referenced, we find these words. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Amen. May the Lord bless his word. I want to preach today for just a little while around the theme, prayers that prevail. I want to talk about prevailing prayer, prayers that prevail. I'm so encouraged when I know people who believe in prayer say to me, Pastor, I am praying for you. We shouldn't say that to another person lightly or flippantly unless we intend to do it. It's only the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous that avails or prevails much. As I poured over this text and it poured over me, This text about two men, a Pharisee and a publican, a text that is given to us in parabolic form about two brothers, one uh, who was a Pharisee, who was a purveyor, a promoter, a protector of the law, and the other, a publican, one who was looked at as a parasite, a piranha, a plague on the people that he lived with. But these two men went into the temple to pray, and one of them, his prayers prevailed. This parable is a mirror that reflects Jesus' teaching about the very essence of the heart, of the core of his gospel message. Because the gospel writer John said that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That message that he shared had received great opposition and antagonism 
and animosity from the Pharisees because they somehow thought it compromised the law. And so Jesus found himself at many times admonishing and rebuking them for their self-righteous position. One of the ways he did that was through the parable. There are a number of parables in the Gospels. This is one of them where Jesus is addressing this issue of works righteousness. Righteousness that is based not so much on what God has done for us, but what we think we have done for God. And it's so important for us to keep that clear, clarion clear in our hearts and mind. Because there is a sense in which nothing like conversation, nothing more than conversation expresses the status or the condition of our heart. If you listen to a person long enough, they will tell you who they really are. They might be able to mask their words for a while, but there will come a point when there is something they will say that will truly reflect and communicate who they really are. There is nothing in terms of its importance, in terms of the significance of it. When we are praying to God, when we're talking to God, that it reveals to us, reveals the status of our heart. And so on this day, these two men prayed. One man's prayer prevailed and the other ones didn't. One man's prayer was answered and the other ones wasn't. One man left justified that day and the other didn't. And so I thought it would be beneficial. I thought it would be instructive for us to look at this parable more closely and determine what was it about the publican's prayer that caused that prayer to prevail. Are you interested in knowing what the text tells us? First of all, prayers that prevail focus on reality, not ritual. Prayers that prevail focus on reality, not ritual. Prayer is the setting. It's the spiritual context for this parable. But authenticity or sincerity of heart is the focus of the parable. One man, because he was so enamored with what he was doing, what, what he thought he was about, what he thought he stood for in the realm of spiritual things, he was so enamored that he was detached from the reality around him. He had lost sight somehow of who he really was, who God really is, and who other people are. The other man's humility, the publican, the other man's humility compelled him to orient to the reality that was in front of him. Both of these men went up to the temple to pray. That's what the text says. And by the way, it's interesting when you're reading the word of God, just how small annotations, small things have such significance. The text says they went up to the temple to pray. It could have said they went to the temple to pray. But when you go to pray... Jerusalem is up on a hill. It's on a mountain. You go up geographically. But when you go to worship, when you go to prayer, you're on the incline, not the decline. Which is why you should never let the devil, no matter what's going on in your life on a Sunday, keep you from church. Because he may be trying to keep you from your blessing. 
When, when you go up to church, when you go up to the temple, you're taking a step up spiritually, not just geographically as in this text. And in Jewish life, Jewish men in particular, they prayed four times a day, 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 12 noon, and 3. They prayed four times during the day. I remember when I was on an international flight in 2015 to Israel, about eight hours into that flight from Newark International Airport, about eight hours in the flight, I heard all this movement in the cabin. What was happening is there were Jewish men on the plane who were getting up, putting on their prayer caps, their prayer shawls, their armbands. They were getting up and preparing for morning prayer. I was so moved. Hadn't even stepped on the grounds of the Holy Land. That alone was a blessing. I was so moved by their discipline. I was so moved by what they were doing. And I thought to myself, if they can be so committed to prayer, if they can be so committed to coming into the presence of God, and they have 39 books of the Bible, how should we act with 66? We have the 27 they don't have. And yet they're so committed. They're so focused on prayer. And sometimes we're so negligent so derelict in terms of our own prayer lives. And they got up on the plane. Apparently, the airlines allow them to do this, and they prayed toward Jerusalem. We have to be careful, though, that we don't get caught in the ritual of what we're doing and lose the reality of what we're doing. That our worship, that our praying, that our, our coming into God's presence just become a performance something that we do, something that we check off the list. It has to be meaningful. It has to be significant. We should come every Sunday here expecting God to do something special. We should come as our ancestors did, wanting to hear a word from the Lord. We're not careful to just become a ritual. I always think about that when I think about the story of the uh, little southern church. And uh, at prayer meeting, this older saint always prayed, Lord, since I came to thee. He always opened his prayer this way. Since I came to thee, cobwebs have grown up between me and thee. Everybody who were a member of that church, they knew that he would start his prayer that way. Since I came to thee, Lord, cobwebs have grown up between me and thee. And one night in the midst of his prayer, a woman shouted out, Lord, please kill the spider. <laughs> the danger in ministry is that we can learn how to do it. Danger in our spiritual lives is that we can, we can become so Methodical, we can become so routinized that we just learn how to do it. God works in mysterious ways, His wonders to perform. So, for this text, for, for the application and the contrast, this Pharisee, it had become a ritual for him, his prayer life. The other brother, the publican, this man who was despised by his countrymen because they saw him being in collusion with the Romans, saw him being corrupt in terms of the assessment of taxes. For him, it was what one theologian in another era called an ultimate concern. There was a desperation about his approach to the temple. 
he had what I call existential encouragement. Ritualism is the half-brother of traditionalism. And I love the definition. Tradition is the living faith of those now dead, but traditionalism is the dead faith of those still living. We have to make sure that our worship, our praying is not traditionalism. Prayers that prevail focus on reality, the reality about God, about ourselves, about others, and not just ritual. Here's the second thing. Prayers that prevail focus on appeal, not applause. On appeal, not applause. The Pharisee was driven by spiritual pride. What he wanted was acceptance, approval, appreciation, approbation. He wanted applause. He wanted applause for the things that he felt he was doing that pleased God. On the other hand, the publican was driven by his spiritual poverty, his sense, deep sense of need. And I think about how he was driven into the temple to, to beat his breast and to ask God for mercy and, and the desperation in this passage as Jesus shares his parable. And I think about Jacob who had connived his way to a level of success and prosperity, but he found himself in a position where he could not get out of. And he sent his family ahead of him and he stayed. This is in Genesis 32. He stayed by the brook Jabbok and prayed. And God showed up. And Jacob said, listen, Lord, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. You ever had a season of prayer like that where you know you couldn't get help anywhere else? You know you couldn't turn anywhere else and you turn it over to the Lord. Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Similar sentiment in Psalm 42. The psalmist opens the psalm by saying this, as the deer pants for water, even my heart pants for God. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are they that hunger and thirst. And if we have that hunger, we have that appetite, we have that passion appeal then God will bless us God will fill us one of the uh, wonderful commentators who writes about the parables a more recent contributor Gary Ingrig he says this is a parable for the me generation he says this parable in so many ways reflect the mindset and the philosophy of those who believe they have no need of God the Pharisee comes into the temple. He simply reports what he has done for God. He says, I fast twice a week, and really, Jews were only required to fast one day, and that was the Day of Atonement. He says, I give tithes on everything that I possess. That wasn't really a requirement of the law. He had exceeded the requirements of the law. And then he looked over, he said, and I'm not like him. Sometimes we base our own sense of approval, our own sense of well-being on how we think we compare to somebody else. It was all about what I've done for God. That was his mindset. There was no mention. If you read the text again, there's no mention of what God has done for him. 
That's what causes us to shout. That's what moves us to a place of, of fulfilling praise and worship is when we quit thinking about what we've done and start thinking about what God has done for us. We live in a culture of self-absorption where people are so mesmerized by me, I, mine. Somebody thought about this and paraphrased the model prayer to reflect the philosophy of those who believe they have no need of God. Listen to what they wrote. Our brethren who are on earth, hallowed be our name. Our kingdom come, our will be done on earth for there is no heaven. We must get this day our daily bread. We neither forgive nor are forgiven. We fear not temptation, for we deliver ourselves from evil. For ours is the kingdom and the power, and there is no glory and no forever. Wow. It sounds radical, but there's a whole lot of folk who live that way. I love that old hymn. I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Oh, bless me right now, my Savior. I come, I come unto thee. So prayers that prevail focus on reality, not ritual. You all get that? Prayers that prevail focus on appeal, not applause. It's not about us. Prayers that prevail focus on mercy and not merit. They focus on mercy and not merit. Our unabated need is for mercy. The Pharisee did not understand that. He thought that somehow he had, by his performance, by his actions, that he had gained the approval of God. But the publican goes into the temple and he beats his chest. He literally beats on his heart. And he says, Lord, have mercy on me. These are reminiscent of David's words in Psalm 51. When Nathan had come to him and exposed his sin, David writes Psalm 51. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sins are ever before thee ever before thee and against thee thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou might be clear when thou judgest and justified when thou speakest for behold I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me he said I need mercy mercy I love how Paul opens 2 Corinthians chapter 4 it's a focus on ministry, on calling and character, how we communicate ministry. He says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, he says, we have received mercy. Because if you're truly in ministry, you got to have mercy. Because apart from mercy, none of us are qualified to do ministry. A mother went to the Emperor Napoleon she was seeking pardon for her son who was going to be executed for desertion. He deserted twice and the penalty was execution. When she approached the emperor, the emperor told her, 
that the offense demanded his death because of the laws that he established. The mother said, I don't ask for justice. I want mercy. But the emperor said, he doesn't deserve mercy. The mother said, emperor, if he deserved mercy, it would not be mercy. If he deserved it, it would not be mercy. And the emperor said, I will have mercy. And her son was saved. God saves us by grace, but he gives an overdraft provision and our grace account is called mercy. And when we write a check on the grace account that bounced, God still covers the check. God still covers the check with mercy. I probably have seen this sign a hundred times and really never paid it any attention. Merging on 40 East off of Winghaven Boulevard in O'Fallon. It's a sign about a West County funeral home and it says this, everything you need in one location. <laughs> I stopped by to tell you that God has everything. God has everything you need and it's all in one location. Can I say it to you this way? Whatever you need, God's got it. Whatever you need, God's got it. Whatever you need, God's got it. He's got it. If you need some mercy this morning, he's got it. All in one location. I know the address is Jesus. If you need more joy, he's got it. If you need more joy, he's got it. If you need more joy, And he's waiting to give it to you. If you need more peace, God's, I'm a witness here this morning. He's got it. If you need more peace, yes, he's got it. listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org. 
for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by TD Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.